You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Tox Aruture. This is episode 76. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast where we believe the mind is the engine room of your life. Episode 76 is the benefits of trials adopting an immigrant mentality. (laughs) How are you? What have you been up to? In my corner of the world, we're officially in spring. Officially (laughs) on paper. (laughs) Because in real life, we have the rain, we have the occasional sun, and we have the cold. So it is actually spring, but it's not giving spring energy. I have a milestone birthday coming up and I'm going to be transparent with you. The last few weeks have had me feeling somewhat unsettled. Not that I'm dreading it because I'm so happy to be alive. I'm happy to be in excellent health and I am blessed in so many ways. But there's been some mild self-criticism about the things that I should have done by now and how I haven't done it and you know now it's too late because you're about to be 50 but then I realized that it came from deeply rooted thoughts that said once you turn 50 that's it you're old and old means done and done means lost opportunities and then my changing body co-signed that limiting thought which then led to the unsettled feeling and the state of of self-criticism but I've dealt with it thankfully and I was able to do so by unbelieving that lie in the first instance that says growth and success can only occur within a certain timeline or before a particular age and of course there is that Mary Kay quote that says growing old sucks but it beats dying young And so that's been me. I'm super thankful. I look at my mom in awe and I say, wow, you have a 50-year-old daughter. (laughs) Now, wow. (laughs) In the previous episode, number 75, I talked about making peace with trials, you know, because that came right out of me spending a good five months or maybe even seven months banging my head against a brick wall and trying to undo and change the place I found myself in. There was a discomfort I was dealing with and a situation that I just couldn't seem to get past. And I was giving all of my time to fighting it until I said a very powerful prayer, let there be light. And I was thinking, let there be light, i.e. let the light of God drive away the darkness of the situation. But instead, what happened was my mind became illuminated and I was able to see clearly where I had gone wrong and the things that I had done and the way that I was viewing life, i.e. I expected perfection and I expected things to, to always go well. And so my mindset was, if it's not going well, fix it. And that came out of us naming difficulties a bad thing like we say oh my gosh she's going through this have you heard of what she's going through did you see what happened to him and 
for us, challenges and problems are not situations that should stay in our lives. We feel like we have to get rid of it. And then we give our time and our energy towards undoing or getting rid of these problems. But then God challenged me after I said that prayer to think differently, which is how about the possibility of growing through the problems? How about you considering that it's okay for it to be there, but it's not going to stop you from getting to your goal? And so since then, I've been thinking about ways in which I can present this new knowledge, this revelation in a practical format, because I know it's not just me. Someone said to me just the other day, a friend of mine, I had called her to see how she was doing and all of that. And and she used a word to describe me. She said, you're a trailblazer. And no, not in the sense of, wow, you are leading, you know, um, the way forward, you know, kind of the way that you have Oprah Winfrey being a trailblazer in the world of media. That's not what she meant and that's not what I understood it to be. But when she said that word, I got it and I checked the meaning of it and I can't even remember exactly how Oxford Dictionary described it, but it was along the lines of one who clears the path, you know, one who goes into, I guess, the jungles or the rough places and and clears the path so that others will go through go through it. And when you do that, then you are not particularly enjoying life, my friend. If you're a trailblazer, if you're somebody who goes to clear a path that no one else has gone on, we are talking weeds and thorns and bushes and the risk of wild animals and all of that stuff. And you're, there is no enjoyment in it. You're just clearing and you're making it, making, you know, just kind of clearing the grass and clearing all of the rubbish out of the way. And it is only the people who walk on that cleared path that can have some level of comfort. So when she said that, the reason it resonated with me was because I believe that my life's journey or my life's mission is to share my experiences so that you don't have to go through what you don't have to go through. And so God has given me a gift and the ability to interpret experiences in a way that makes sense you know, in a way that helps us to look beyond the surface and not just, I lost my business because the economy was poor. No, we don't look at it that way. But to look deeper means, what was my mindset? What was I thinking? Did I receive the vision from my spirit or did I receive it from the world? Did I go into that business because somebody else was told me how great it was going to be or it was a fad or what have you? Or did I take that action based on a longing that is in my spirit? And if I took it based on a longing in my spirit, did I believe that the longing was from God? Did I believe that it was woven into my DNA to do this thing? And so it's going beyond the surface, which is why the podcast is called Leaving Inside Out, because it's on the inside that we receive all of the instructions, all of the direction, all of the strategy, all of the purpose that we we will eventually manifest on the outside. And so in this episode, I want to talk about the immigrant mindset, which is not something that is exclusive to immigrants, but it's a state of mind that 
many immigrants have when they move into a country for better opportunities. There's this saying amongst uh, the Chinese apparently that there isn't a word for problems or trouble, that the word is opportunity. And so when a person's house burns down, they see it as an opportunity for a new house. And when a man loses his job, he sees it as an opportunity for a new job. And I put this to practice because at the time, I think it was episode four, maybe five, some one of the earlier episodes, I mentioned this. And I remember shortly after I had recorded that episode, I walked into my shop and the basement had flooded. Okay, yes, basement seems to, it seems to flood all the time, hours, but that's not really the case, but it does happen. It has happened every year for the last six years that I've been there. So the basement had flooded because we're near the, the River Thames and also uh, the drainage and, and the building is ridiculously old and all of that stuff. I walked in, the basement had flooded and instead of bulking, instead of going into a panic and freaking out, I just thought it's an opportunity for a new basement and that is exactly what we did. Once the, the problem was resolved, we went from having ordinary flooring to a carpeted floor. We changed the wallpaper, we, we removed and hid unsightly places, added more electricity, more uh, sockets and it just became this beautiful space that we use as an office currently uh, during the week and on the weekends or whenever it is I do my podcast recordings in person that has now become my studio. So if you've never seen the baby cut shop before, you will, you will, you can see it in my videos on the baby cut shop anyway. But, but when, uh, going forward, my next few in-person episodes are going to be recorded in that basement that once upon a time flooded and looked a dump. And so people do say that we should call challenges opportunities and it's understandable, but sometimes that is too far fetched, you know? How can you, if you are leaving from hand to mouth and you find yourself plunged into debt and the only source of income or the promise that you had for an income suddenly goes out of the window, how can you say, hey, that's an opportunity? There are moments when you can do that, but there are some more devastating situations where it becomes almost impractical to do it and you would not blame anyone or say to them you're a pessimist for not thinking that it was an opportunity because it's too far-fetched. <laughs> but there is something called I've called living in the middle. Living in the middle allows you to call a challenge normalcy. If you cannot go all the way to seeing it as an opportunity, then you can settle somewhere in the middle and call it normal. And when you get used to seeing it as normal, then you can upgrade it to being an opportunity. And so a word that I mentioned in episode 75 was spectrum. I explained that we all live on a spectrum emotionally or physically or mentally even because some days you feel low and on other days you're on a high. Just like some days you're unwell and at other times you are physically whole and energetic. You see the mind is incredibly powerful and it is superior to the body which is why I record living inside out. If you are listening and you're thinking, well, that might be true for some, but I'm always unwell, or you may have a debilitating illness that has left you or kept you on the extreme left of the spectrum. And that's where you live. 
I have news for you. Our emotions are never based on our physical circumstance. I'm going to say that again. Our emotions are never based on our physical circumstances. How you feel is not dependent on what's happening to your body or to your life. How you feel is based solely on what you think about your circumstance. And so in the business world, there is a thing called the immigrant mentality and even outside of business, to be fair, immigrants have a completely different mindset from indigents. They don't come into the country because they want to drive a nice car or live in a big house. They are inspired by something much deeper. One story I've shared previously is of Andrew Lee, the founder of Sugar Bowl Bakery in New York. So Andrew quit school at the age of 12 so he could help his family. And his family, that's his father and his brothers, all escaped Vietnam in 1978. I think they left, they started to live in Bates in 75. I want to say he has seven brothers, but I may be totally wrong. (laughs) The government did an exchange program, quote unquote, not Here's our student and give us your student type of exchange program. Nothing fancy like that. Mm-mm. It was give us all your property in exchange for your freedom. <laughs> and so they did. And on the way to the United States by boats, the pirates came and stole the little they had left and they had just a few clothing left. And they arrived in the U.S. with no money and they couldn't speak a word of English. And so the Red Cross took them in because, you know, obviously there were a lot of people escaping Vietnam at the time and they took them in. And Andrew says that the living conditions had over 50,000 refugees, uh, which had over 50,000 refugees were absolutely horrendous. And then eventually through the help of, I want to say some church or something, I can't remember, they were able to relocate to California. And for the first time in years, their whole family was reunited. The group that went a few years earlier and Andrew and his father and I think three or four of his brothers they all finally got together and he says they had absolutely nothing yet they felt blessed because they had each other and that was enough for them and so Andrew now goes and he learns how to speak English and he and his brothers get a job in a small coffee shop and they're doing all kinds of odd jobs and anything to survive And eventually they had saved over 40,000 pounds. I mean, there's a whole story about immigrants and saving, and that's, that's for another conversation, okay? And so they finally opened their own coffee shop and they believed they could do better than their employers were doing. And they all had different roles. Andrew, I think, was the front man because he was the one who learned how to speak English. And then they did some crazy things for survival. Now, when I, I've got a wonderful new uh, boutique manager at the shop now and I was teaching her the other day and, you know, just training her. And I said, when we receive packaging from our suppliers, we reap their, we reap everything off. We reap anything that uh, indicates the name of the supplier because we are protecting ourselves from competitors. The single reason I do that, like I don't play with that at all. I look at boxes, packaging and rip every form of indication off. The reason I do that was because I read Anjali's story quite a few years ago. 
And what they were doing, him and his brothers, would be to jump into the trash cans at the back of their competitor stores so they could see what packaging they were using for their flour, what they were using for their butter, and all of the different ingredients because they wanted to top whatever it is they were doing. So if you've got a business and you're careless about your secret sauce, this is a warning to you because this is a thing that people do. And so he did that and they would go also to competitor stores and they would stand around and notice what people were ordering the most of and go back and brainstorm and think about how they can either do the same or maybe do an accompaniment or do something better. They never stopped improving. And today, Sugar Bowl Bakery supplies Walmart and Costco and Kroger's. Kroger's was my family's local grocery store when we lived in Georgia and so much more. And their revenues are in the in the region of uh, 55 or so million dollars annually. Now, let's contrast that with a non-immigrant. Obviously not all non-immigrants, but just those with a sense of entitlement. I remember a few years ago, we had a family reunion in India. My older brother was living and working there and we all decided to converge there for Christmas. So this is my parents and my younger brother in Nigeria, as well as those of us here in the UK. We all headed to Delhi and we spent a glorious 10 or so days there over Christmas. It was absolutely wonderful. But I recall the, the ride from the airport to the house. <laughs> there were large billboard adverts of weaponry and just references to the military. And I asked the driver why there was so much noise about their army. And he replied, because of our enemies, madam. And I was like, eh? <laughs> Who are your enemies? And he just replied without missing a bit, China and Pakistan. He even said it with a smile, y'all. <laughs> and Susie and I just pinched each other and we began having an internal dialogue with each other using our eyes. Because I live in England and never have I thought about our enemies. The average British person does not walk around with the awareness of being bordered by their enemies, okay? And the last time I heard a human make a casual reference to enemy territory and borders and so on was when my boys played Call of Duty. The UK map does not have its perimeter dotted with the threat of war, okay? We don't have people in Skegness eyeing the people in Dorset and saying, oh, you don't want to cross Coventry or Birmingham or what have you, you know, the way that this man was talking about Kashmir and Pakistan and China. And immediately he said it. I just pulled out my phone, checked Google map, checked to see where Delhi was in relation to all of these enemy territories so that I can be prepared because <laughs> I didn't know what was coming. It just felt very strange because I've never lived in a country that's under the threat of war or is heavily involved in war on its own soil. I clarified that, okay? I said on its own soil. <laughs> Our extent of our threat in England is the French are rude. They queue jump. They eat too much bread. Okay. The rail network is the pits. My train was late. All oh, the British weather. That's our threat. Okay. We don't have threats that involve Boeings or guns or missiles or 
camouflage uniforms, none of that stuff. We live in a country where we have free medical and dental care. And if you're homeless and can't pay your rent, there is provision for that too. Now, don't ask me why we have homeless people on the streets. I'm sure there is a scientific explanation for that. I don't have the details. But the average British person is living the life compared to people around the world. Yes, there is poverty. Yes, there is the sad truth that people, uh, there are kids going to school hungry. So I'm not minimizing the, the poverty or the bad experiences in this country. I'm speaking very generally here. Yesterday, I went to the design center in Chelsea, which is a place where we go to get fabrics and wallpaper and so on. And I used their toilet, Yule. It was self-sanitizing, warmed seat. The seat was warm. It was hot. It was heated. Okay. That, my friend, is a far cry from the immigrant lifestyle or the immigrant mentality. Again, I'm not denouncing wealth. I absolutely love the good life. I think that we should live a life of abundance. And when I say abundance, I'm not speaking strictly materially. I just think we should live a full, joyous life, especially because Jesus has already paid the price for that. But when I go to sleep at night, I do so knowing that the building I'm sleeping on is not going to combust overnight because a missile dropped on it. I have a son that will not eat salmon, the king of fish people, okay? And I have another one that hates tiramisu. That cannot even be my child because that is the best dessert. And of course, I'm digressing. But if I were to stop the average Brit and ask how satisfied they were with their life, or why they have not achieved their goals or their dreams. They will school me on just how bad things are. People complain about how good it used to be, and they complain about where the country is going now, and they moan about everything. The reason why we left uh, the, the EU, why people voted in droves to exit the EU, was because the uh, opposing party ran a campaign on fear, you know, the fear of immigrants and how uh, they were taking our jobs and they were doing this and they were doing that. You could have looked at it in a different way and talked about the value that people from other countries like Andrew Lee was bringing to the country and adding to the economy, but no, they went with a fear. That being said, it would appear that a comfortable life holds us back and a challenging one squeezes hidden abilities from us. The immigrant mindset is not one that seeks comfort, it seeks results. It sees a big picture and no pain or discomfort will stop them from getting it. Andrew Lee and his brothers had their eyes on an invisible dream a city that they alone could see. The non-immigrant has their eyes set on the visible material possessions that they and everyone else in their circle can see. I've got to qualify that and say not the non-immigrant, but it's the non-immigrant mentality. And it's only because I literally cannot think of a better label to put it on. I'm not saying that people who are non 
immigrants are entitled and lazy and, uh, and or are unable to achieve success. That is not what I'm saying, but I'm, I know that you understand what I mean by that. And I believe that the difference between the two mindsets is comfort. One is prepared to sacrifice their comfort to the point where they don't even see or recognize pain, while the other one wants to have it all and have it all now. The pain of sacrifice is the currency used to purchase our dreams. If you are not prepared to pay, you will not receive the goods, period. And so as I observed my life, I noticed how over the years I have clutched comfort with both hands while shouting at my dream to be manifested. And don't make the mistake of thinking that hardship is the same as sacrifice because you can go through hardship through ignorance or laziness or complacency, procrastination and the likes and sit still waiting for this hardship to end. That is not sacrifice. That is consequence. And when I began praying, let there be light. If you haven't listened to episode 75, I beg you to go back there because it forms a really good foundation for this episode and the future ones. I then began to see clearly how I'd hindered my own growth because I spent my time trying to turn my hardship into a dream. And then God told me I had to learn to walk through the hardship with my eye on the prize because I erroneously thought that my path had to be flawless and that if there was a problem, I needed to fix it. I thought that the difficulties were wrong and as a Christian, I wasn't supposed to encounter them. If you're not prepared to give up your comfort, there's no use continuing with the rest of these series. And again, I want to reiterate that discomfort and hardship does not always mean you are sacrificing because if that was the case, all poor people will be rich today, okay? And they'll be happy. Here's an excerpt from my journal. I will find it difficult. Difficult isn't bad. I'm renaming my difficulty light momentary afflictions and that's from a scripture. Imagine if I had, as a result of desperately seeking relief, I quit. How many things have I done because I wanted relief? If the path is difficult, walk on it. Don't avoid it. Don't exert energy trying to make it easy. If you have not arrived at your destination yet, it means you still have ways to go. You are not at the end. So don't waste your time and energy trying to convert the difficult and temporal into a permanent place of comfort. And there's more notes I had written, but this really was me learning and teaching my mind to get comfortable with challenges and to accept that challenges are going to be found on my path and it's okay. I had the pleasure of interviewing Fumi Onuma of Silverbird Ghana. We had a great conversation about life lessons, teaching our children and showing up with or without support from your tribe. She's a young lady heading a very well-known organization in Ghana and it's 
would be easy for people to think that it was smooth sailing for her because of the relationships that she's built over the years. But I'm not going to say more. I want you to tune in next week and listen. And that's another piece of evidence that the path isn't meant to be smooth sailing. I will also be starting my mentoring course in May. So sign up at toxarotory.com or click the link in the show notes to learn more. I want to close with some final words from Andrew Lee. When I came here, I didn't speak the language or have any money. I am proud that I've taken my family where they hesitated to go years ago. Whenever I mentor young people, I tell them, never give up, work hard, have a good heart and be disciplined. Those are the ingredients to success. Thank you, Mr. Lee. You are an inspiration. And thank you too, my dear listener. I appreciate you so much. Please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. And until next time, leave from the inside out. Mm -hmm.